Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movie. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Each week, we meet and discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen that particular film, because we will give you a spoiler alert. And please stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends, in which each of us suggests something awesome that you need to check out as soon as you can. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about The Drop. In Brooklyn, money changes hands all night long. And it's not the kind of money that you can deposit in a bank. You handle The Drop. But all that money needs to end up somewhere. They call it a drop bar. You just hide the entire city's dirty money right in plain sight. So The Drop is the one and only James Gandolfini's final performance that's right so this is an appropriate way to officially kick off the awards season uh for 2014 first real drama i feel like we've seen in quite some time Mm -hmm. definitely has the tone of these types of films we're going to be seeing uh come later this year Foxcatcher, to be specific has this sort of dark eerie tone to it if i'm not mistaken so i feel like last year about this time we were reviewing prisoners remember that film oh yeah yeah that, i'm in a dark place again that was a creepy experience definitely a, an insane experience so we've come full circle here here we are at the drop like we said james gandolfini's final performance also starring uh numi rapace and tom hardy and I'm excited to talk about this one, guys, yeah. because it's getting a little bit of indie buzz right it now is. in the scene. I'm looking forward to the next few months, gentlemen. This is going to be, uh, yeah. I, you know, I love the blockbuster, but man, I'm I'm stoked about I'm stoked about having multiple movies to talk about every week for the next few months. It seems well, like Let's get- as you've noticed, we've had almost too many to talk about so far <laughs> in August and September. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. that the listeners have been enjoying our throwback episodes. Yeah, over the past few weeks, uh, all three of the ones we've done over the past uh, month or so have been doing pretty well um, in our popularity section on iTunes. So appreciate the love there. I'm glad that we can release episodes that people can go back and and listen to uh, that maybe you haven't seen the movie of the week. You know, a lot of people don't go to movies every week like we do. So it's good that we can throw it back 20 years to something that maybe a lot more people have seen. Sure. So we appreciate the good feedback on that and. Uh, I will say once again, if you have a suggestion for a throwback film, head on over to our website and uh, click contact, and that goes straight to us. We love uh, all those suggestions. So before we no, talk, we don't 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 lie. <laughs> you don't, Richard. They're mostly that's there. why they're all addressed to Kent yeah. and Brian specifically. Yeah. Um, before we talk the drop, and before we hit our awesome weekly recommends, guys, let's discuss a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumblings. Movie news, rumors, and rumblings. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! I think the most important or pressing topic um, that's sort of buzzing around the movie industry right now is this Bourne announcement. Yeah. So I'll let you guys take the reins here. What do you know? How excited are you? Uh, Brian and Richard, have at it. 
Well, um, I have been cast as Jason Bourne, um, <laughs> so I can announce that. All that CrossFit is finally paid off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been just kettlebelling it for <laughs> nine months nonstop and eating only uh, cooked sushi. Anyway, I, uh, I'm psyched. <laughs> I love the Bourne series. One of, probably my like, probably the series I watch the most, surprisingly. I have uh, emotional attachment to it. There was like the... Um, the listeners may not know my mother is not no longer with us, and uh, the uh, the board movies were something we did uh, together. Every time there was one out, we would always go opening day together. So I have this weird like emotional with like a n- super non emotional series. I have this like really emotional attachment to the Jason Bourne films uh, in a way that they just like make me happy in an odd way. So I uh, I'm super excited for this. Matt Damon is I think um, among the most reliable actors in Hollywood, and uh, and so his involvement makes this, to me, almost a slam dunk. And that character is so oddly fascinating and likable. And, and I don't see why, um, you know, Damon himself didn't like Born Ultimatum. I liked Born Ultimatum fine. It's, it's definitely the weakest of the three, but I don't think there's anything like egregious about it. Um, but he seemed to have not a pleasant experience making that one. And that was part of the reasoning he said he didn't, he didn't, hasn't done one for, you know, several years. Yeah. You know, I didn't like Legacy very much. There's something about Damon that ties it together, which yeah. you would think in a series like this, he wouldn't, you know, it would be more direction and, and the kind of world that's created. And it's not. It's something about that <laughs> that character. And uh, and I'm psyched to... I would watch 10 more Bourne movies, like, forever. So bring them yeah. on. Brian. Yeah, I'm with you. I love I love the first trilogy, the original three films. I, I actually really like Ultimatum. I think... Um, it's yeah. been a while since I've watched the whole series, but that may have been my favorite one of the three. Sure. Um, it's Supremacy. Supremacy was such a cool movie because they did stuff. I mean, those films are set up as very, I think they're set up as very typical action films. And then they make very different choices from what you typically get in an action film. Uh, sure. And Supremacy on top of that with the, I don't think it's a spoiler at this point, like killing off the, the, the girl very early on in the film, like really yeah. set, that franchise into a different place than Mm -hmm. it would have been otherwise. Uh, But I'm with you. I I love Damon. One of my, really one of my favorite actors and personalities. Like I just, I look forward to seeing him in movies because even if it's not a good movie, he very rarely makes a bad movie. I'm just going to say that hardly ever happens. And, uh, but even if it's not, you know, a great movie, he is an interesting person to watch. Uh, and, and I think that makes, I think that sells that character so, so well. And I'm, uh, again, I'm with you as well, Richard, cause I, I really dislike the, the born legacy or, or is that what it's called? Born legacy. Yes. I, yeah. I only saw it one time and I was supremely disappointed in it. Uh, because it felt like something where we're about to get an American James Bond. And instead it was like, Oh no, 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 we can't, do that like this that doesn't work at all it has to be jason Bourne. it can't be uh side characters or somebody stepping into that shoe those shoes or anything like that so this is this is great news because i i like i like blockbustery action movies for adults and that's Mm -hmm. what i think the born identity series is so i'm stoked man the thinking man's action series is how it was built which is so condescending but it's actually very accurate as well very accurate and green grass is fantastic too like that's that's a made that yeah even for myself, like I've kind of put that in the back burner compared to the excitement for Damon, but Greengrass is a great director. So that's, this is great. Look stuff. at me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, the news that jumped out to me was Paul Greengrass is coming back to Bourne. 
you yeah. know, uh, along with Damon, which is, which is great. But, um, but Greengrass is exciting. I mean, anything he comes out with, I'll, <laughs> I'm going to check out, you know, I think the born people, I think Greengrass and Damon and, uh, you know, the whole studio involved, everything, um, they saw what Sam Mendes was able to do with Skyfall and, mm-hmm. you know, those types of films. Well, they totally did it with Green Zone. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> no, <they're>... I forgot <laughs> Remember about that? that? Most yeah. forgettable movie ever. I think they saw that and they saw that, you know, these intelligent spy films can be popular in a world dominated by superhero movies. <laughs> and, uh, man, what bad luck for Renner, though. I mean, yeah. Uh, you think you get cast in the Avengers and you think like you're going to be a superhero. <laughs> they they make you be under Loki's power the entire movie. They change your pupils at the last minute so that you look like a freak the entire time. <laughs> and your character shoots a bow and arrow and that's pretty much all yeah. he does. And then you get cast in a born the new born series and they immediately just like, yeah, that's not going to work. Uh sorry, <laughs> sorry Jeremy. Like what a bad run of luck he's had post Hurt Locker. He, he's he's not an interesting a movie star. Yeah, no. that's the thing. He's an interesting guy because he's it's almost like he's too big to do indie roles like uh, the Hurt Locker, but he's too he's not big enough to carry his own film. So he's kind of stuck in the middle where he's either got to accept supporting roles like what he had in the town where he's just tremendous, or American Hustle, or something like that, or he has to take a basically take a pay cut to. Yeah. lend himself to a smaller film it's it's a strange position to be in for him and also uh, ken don't forget on the bad luck train like hey uh we're gonna have uh not only gonna be born the newborn but we're gonna have tom cruise kind of pass the torch to you in mission impossible oh wait no tom yeah. cruise is yeah. still no, off awesome yeah. we're gonna keep <laughs> we're gonna keep tom cruise exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's had a rough go no we'll, we'll bring in simon Pegg and uh and Tom Cruise. That'll be the new duo. Sorry, Jeremy Renner. Is Big Rame still around? Yep. Okay. Sorry. You know man. you're a bad action star when Simon Pegg has leapfrogged you in an action movie. <laughs> as far as like wanted action stars. I really like that movie. I, oh, like I do too. too. I They're filming uh, MI5 right now. Yep. Awesome. Simon Pegg has been tweeting selfies of him and Tom Cruise just chilling, like just them two. Imagine being in that car ride. <laughs> Gosh. How great would that be? Uh, that's a subject for another day. But Richard, have you read any of these books? Brian, have you read any of the Born Robert Ludlum uh, series? I you, I, you know, it's weird because I'm working my way through the John, all the John LeCar books right now. Um, I'm on a huge like espionage kick right now with reading. Um, and I've, I've been kind of tinkering around with the idea. Get it, see what I did there? Uh, yeah. I've been tinkering around with the idea of going down the Born book route because I love them so much. I've heard it's quite different. I think he's a bit older in the books or something. Um, but so I don't want to like have it skew the movie for me, but I think I'm going to do it. So check back with me in about three months because I might have those down, but I haven't read them. Brian, have you? Uh, no, I had decided that I was going to get through all of James Patterson's book first before I moved into that. And he just releases <laughs> well, 37 a year. I can't ever catch up. And they're all so cheap. They're all like a dollar at the, do- at the bookstore. I've been stuck in this wormhole for like eight years. So. Yeah. When I worked at a bookstore in college, we would. Um, he has a thing where every like third book he wears this hat on the back of it. He has this really sad like old hat. Baseball like George R.R. R. Martin's hat. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, but it's like a a blue navy just beat to crap baseball cap. And yeah. He pouts whenever he wears it. So whenever there would be a new Patterson book that would come out, which was literally every three and a half weeks, 
we'd do like, we'd play a game show like hat or no hat when we would unveil the boxes. And it was very fun. <laughs> the story went totally nowhere and bombed completely. So feel no, free to I cut out of the episode. But I will. That's how you no. kept track of time is by how often he was wearing the hat. Like, yeah. oh man. It's been six months. That's just yeah. one of the m- many exciting things that happen when you work at a bookstore. <laughs> it's thrilling. I don't know. Hat or no promise. hat? Hat! Yeah! <laughs> that makes your entire week just... Uh, Talking to customers. Yeah, he's got a hat on this one. Yeah, thanks. I just need to... Yeah. I'm on my way to the airport. So time. I guess there's a debate here. What is the next born going to be? Which book is it going to be based on? So we've got Legacy which uh, has already been made. But after that, immediately after that, was The Born Betrayal. Yeah, but those aren't Ludlum, Ludlum books, I don't think. That's when the, uh, when the other guy came Oh, yeah, in. it was Lud, Lud, yeah. Lustbader. Uh, yeah. Van so Lustbader, I, yeah. I think the best plan would just be go, go full Skyfall and just make an original yeah, story. do original. Yep. Yeah. There's, uh, there's quite a bit. There's eight here after the original yeah. Ludlum trilogy. So betrayal, the born sanction, the born deception, the born objective, yeah. the born dominion. I bought the rights to the characters and okay, and and I don't think those are very well respected in terms of like those are like I just freaking love Jason Bourne, so I'm going to keep reading these books. But I don't yeah. think the stories are nearly as good. I think it'd be a mistake uh, to go down that route. So I think it takes kind of a sci-fi turn in his books as well too. I would run away from that. I would root these totally gritty, mm-hmm. whatever you got to do, and just even hire some like kick butt screenwriter to come in and, and just do a whole yep. new thing totally a little uh born uh kind of on topic with born have you seen adam savage's from mythbusters like his movie prop collection that he, he no. keeps no so apparently he's obsessed with movie uh props if that makes sense like yeah. like little mm-hmm. small things from movies that you can immediately tell what movie it's from stuff like that like those sweet playing cards from now you see me yeah, like that. Uh, I mean, just for example, <laughs> stuff like I mean, he's got a lot of stuff from Hellboy, just because Guillermo del Toro is yeah. like his favorite sci-fi guy. So he's got like props, for, like they're all handmade though, because he's Adam Savage. That's he cool. like makes them all. But um, he he recreated like by himself the the burn bag from the Born series, and I okay. mean he has like every single little item in it. It's like uh, every single different passport, all like. All awesome. correct from the movie, every single kind of currency, just every Visa card that actually says Jason Bourne on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Cool. So go on That's YouTube cool. and search Adam Savage Bourne uh, Trilogy or Bourne something. It's really cool to look at. Uh, that's just a side recommend. I, every time I hold my passport in my hand, I pretend like I'm Jason Bourne and I'm a 27-year-old <laughs> man. Yeah. Like there's not been a time where I have my passport where it does not go through my brain like, this isn't my name. Yeah. I'm going to hop on some weird fishing ship and uh, <laughs> sail through northern Europe. <laughs> like it, it is, it is weird. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on fire right now with these stories. <laughs> uh, so, a little bit of HBO news uh, that we need to discuss, guys. Uh, first of all, the True Detective casting has gone awry. Do you guys want to talk about that? I know you guys are more upset about it than I am, but. Um, what were Just the rumors? Tell us who's in the cast. Gosh. Tell, yeah, yeah. That's when that's is this going to air? Like twenty ninety three? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, it's definitely not going to be January like the the last no. season was. So when is it going to hit? That's it, it's odd that they haven't figured that out yet. You're right, and we we had a rumor last time. It was Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, and uh, and uh, Emil Hirsch 
Well, the Emil Hirsch character is now Taylor Kitsch. Right. I know you'll be excited about that, Brian. I am. Friday uh, Night Lights. My I like Taylor that. Kitsch. I think yeah. he he needs to find what he is going to be yes, as I totally an actor. Agree. He uh, was great. In is Lone that a line from Friday Night Lights? I have no idea. I've only seen one episode. <laughs> Sounds like it. Brian would know that. But I, I, I think he's talented. And, yeah. uh, of course, we think there's a place in Hollywood for Vince Vaughn uh, if he can – Stick to what he is good at, I think. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because he's going to be a villain. Uh, Smelling terrible. <laughs> I I don't I don't know. You would think you would I don't know. I mean, eight years ago, if you said, "Man, this drama series on HBO with McConaughey is really going to be yes. something," yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you would have never thought that was even. A no, possibility. I'm totally. I, so. I'm on board with all the like Vince Vaughn in that role could be really good. Like I'm I'm a hundred percent willing to to give that chance and and we're at least richard and i maybe you can't as well huge fans of colin farrell so that's um that's great stuff it's the the female lead that just keeps kind of dancing yeah. around maybe Talk that's about why that. none of this has come to fruition well originally it, uh, the first one was jessica chastain which i was super stoked yeah. about because i love her um and then we went to elizabeth moss which was also uh great because she Man, she's incredible on Mad Men, and uh, I know that Top of the Lake, she's supposedly – eventually I'm going to watch that, and she's supposedly great in that as well. And then we got to Rachel McAdams, who is fantastic, and I love her, and I was very excited about that. And then we – now we're at what? Rosario Dawson or Jessica Biel? Like, no, Jess, Jessica Biel has to stop. <laughs> like, you, y'all gave Rosario Dawson a hard time earlier today, but oh. uh, no, Jessica Biel has to stop. Like, there's no – <laughs> she does not fit in that seventh heaven was like 14 years ago <laughs> guys yeah has yeah. to no yeah that yeah, name but stealth was only eight years ago <laughs> you're right huge. can't wait for that throwback episode no um <laughs> yeah her name definitely does not fit with the rest of those and and rosario dawson's does like she's there's nothing wrong with with rosario dawson i'm just happen to be a huge fan of of jessica chastain and yeah. rachel mcadams and elizabeth moss right. and and rosario dawson just doesn't really uh, no, yeah. Needle, I guess. I mean, just don't get excited. I, I wasn't about crapping on Rosario Dawson. Yeah, I just yeah. literally had not heard her name in like seven years. Like since Clerks Two, I don't know what yeah. she's. Doing. <laughs> That's all. That was my point. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think she could be. I think she did that Sin City movie that we didn't see. Oh, okay. uh, that flopped. Well, that's it's oh, already out of the point. theater. Okay, you've got me there. I mean, no, I mean she's done stuff. It just hasn't been in our wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. she's. Apparently a pretty active actress, but so I mean that's disappointing. I think I think they should settle on Rachel McAdams. I would love that because I I love Rachel McAdams and she's never done anything that's particularly great. I just have I feel like she is capable of doing something great if she's on the right project, and that could be that the movie project. she did last year with Dom Hall Gleason was really yeah, yeah, really yeah. enjoyable about that, time totally. yeah about yeah. time was great but almost in a way that she, where she was like not that important to the yeah. film you oh know? yeah and that's as i again as a huge rachel mcadams fan my biggest celebrity yeah, crush a lot of but, a lot of people could have played that part I feel yes like. absolutely yeah did you also know that bill Hader is has signed an exclusive deal with hbo to produce a comedy series for them nice that's uh, so that's a little exciting hbo news i know y'all would like to hear more hater, um, more more hater the better. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I I would like to see what he could do on a no holds barred scale with HBO. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be produced for network television. Would be it's pretty exciting 
to me personally. We also know Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords fame is producing another comedy series for HBO. That's exciting as well. Uh, I, they should just bring back um, Flight of the Concords, in my opinion. There was rumors that they were, but yeah. then that's now been shot down. Well, Brett McKenzie has a lot of Muppet songs to write, so I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, he's pretty busy. Yeah. A lot of Oscars to win, um, but it's exciting. I think uh, you know, I'm still holding out for another season of Curb, which is hopefully coming just next year or so. Yeah, uh, once Larry he's David that, finishes with his Broadway play that him and Jerry Seinfeld yeah. wrote together. Uh, I, I want we got a road trip up there for that. If there's one, everyone's doing because Steve Martin's testing out a play right now in San Diego. That's probably going to work its way to Broadway as well. And then uh, who else? Oh, uh, Penn and Teller, ha- or just te- just Teller, have a version of Hamlet with like tons of magic tricks in it as well. Really, Shakespeare and magic, two of my loves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if we know one here. thing from you in this podcast, it's that you love magic. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. can't get enough uh, of magic. I think that's the main plot of uh, Now You See Me Too. It's it's gonna mix Shakespeare with magic. So <laughs> I'm hoping. Wow. Anyway, I mean, Innovative. I'm really excited to see Jesse Eisenberg deliver <laughs> sonnets and stuff. Yeah, that'll be good. I uh, to, to, to be to be or, or uh, not to be, not, not to be. I don't. That sounds like the worst thing ever. I can't even. Yeah, have that right now. It'll just bum me out. My the, day's ruined. The real HBO news I wanted to discuss before we now you uh, see me the series. <laughs> before we move on, which w- it will happen, you know, you know that this, that's going to be a trilogy. Has that sunk in yet? What? Now you no, see me is going to be a trilogy. Are you kidding me? The first one no, made. Yeah, we didn't know that. The first one made three hundred fifty million dollars. So if the next one makes oh, okay. three hundred million, like, it would have to be some other country, not oh, it is. American it's not. I, I don't think it. I made thought it would have to. Much I here. thought it made like three hundred fifty million yen, which I thought it made like eleven dollars, oh, <laughs> but it made okay. American money. Ameri- yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Insane. Yeah, and disturbing too. But they, have they an- have they announced the trilogy? They've announced the second one, and uh, I don't know if we broke in this news on the podcast, directed by the one John M. Chu. Now, oh, yeah, Louis okay. Lettier has he's made it, so he's he's moving say, on. Why, he's retiring. Why would, why would Lettier big time that? Like that's the only <laughs> successful movie he's ever had. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, Sheesh, maybe he saw it. I mean, well, he's <laughs> after it came out. I mean, he just became wanted in Hollywood. Like everyone was offering yeah. him these scripts. Like they just want him to work his magic. No pun intended on a lot of a lot of stuff. Just use that camera work to the best of his ability. Now, I love that our "Now You See Me" episode is our second most popular right now. Still, a uh, year and a half removed, and people are still talking about "Now You See Me." That's going to be on I've the got poster. More thoughts. I think we should do a second part. We should. We we still need to release our commentary. We do about it though. I really want to do, yeah, this is an idea we have. Let's break this on the podcast. I don't think we've talked about this publicly. There are discussions between uh, our representatives and us uh, that we would like to do a commentary track available on our website of Now You See Me. So you, you, would, you would sync it, you would press play, and then listen to our, our nonsense while you uh, watch the muted version of the movie. I don't know why that would be enjoyable, but it's an idea we have, so we'd love feedback on that. You could watch it. You just like put us on your in your headphones on your iPod or something, and uh, and watch it on your TV. You could still have both on at the same yeah, time. True. We would only interrupt you when it's 
absolutely necessary, which is I'm sure would be which, for me all would be 80 constantly. minutes of it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. God, it's um, only 80 minutes. Oh, no, it's I almost know. two hours. But I am looking okay, at good. the uh, box office mojo page for Now You See Me, which I have bookmarked at the top of my uh, favorites here. But uh, That should be blacklisted by the government. That's <laughs> um, they, they, apparently, box office mojo does not recognize Dave Franco as a person. Like, you know, you can go through the list of <laughs> actors and directors and click sure. on names. Dave Franco can't click. No hyperlink. So I don't know what that says about it, but that's. Oh, like I'd share. He's my favorite Franco. Come oh, on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He deserves he's, to be clickable, guys. Come yeah, on. He's, he's the Get best it together. part of that movie by a mile. So. Yeah. I don't know. Common was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was. Seriously, he was the- why did they pay for Common? He had two lines. <laughs> Common's serious. like, I'll why do it. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a passion project. Maybe he just loves magic. <laughs> Maybe he's Louis Ledier the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a common joint, you know. It's like uh, <laughs> just Louis Lady's his pen name or something. That'd be that'd be a twisted turn of events. I would uh, buy the like uh, common Netflix. Louis Lady album on vinyl. That would be pretty pretty Ooh, sweet. Pre-ordering uh, the, the HBO news. I really want to talk about guys, and we only have a few minutes here, but uh, it's pretty big news. So apparently, HBO is considering. Going all in on uh, a, a straight-to-consumer business model, uh, I'm sure they would still be associated with cable satellite providers, but they're considering offering their programming through a, their own subscription service. Mm. Uh, I assume you go to HBO.com, you know, pay your 14.99 a month or whatever it would be, just straight to them instead of having to tack it on to your already ludicrous cable bill. Yeah, and. What do you think about this? This would be a pretty big deal if it happened. Um, I think HBO is the most popular programming right now on on TV, according to the Emmys it was, at least. Mm. Um, But, I mean, this is a pretty big stroke for them to do against the cable companies. And, uh, you know, this puts them... It's a very powerful lobby. So that's first thing is is that's... It may not happen just because of that, that power stroke. They would, I mean, they would join the likes of you know Netflix, Hulu, and uh, most of their business, I assume, would shift to uh, the HBO Go service, which is fantastic, by the way. If you don't, if you have HBO and you aren't utilizing the HBO Go service, uh, you're doing a, yourself a disservice. It's it's truly awesome. They have every season of every show they've ever done available on there. All their current movies, documentaries. And, uh, you know, their sports, too. You can watch all the old boxing matches they had. You can watch, uh, you know, Bryant Gumble if you if that's what you're into. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> you are. I'm sorry. You could watch. Well, uh, that's just Hawk- actually good. It's just Gumble's rough. You could, yeah. You could watch the, you know, the the Hard Knock series um, in, the, in the weeks that it airs, too. So really cool little app, too. Uh, another side recommend. But so this might be their entire strategy going forward. And, uh, you know. This is the last straw for me. If this happens, I might have to say goodbye to cable. I've been looking for an excuse to cut the cord for a long time uh, from my cable company. Um, I think we're big proponents of sports on this podcast, and sports has really been the only thing tying me to it. Local sports, that is, uh, because I do realize if you buy the MLB at bat or the NHL or NBA package on your on your Roku or smart TV or whatever, you can, you can watch those games, but only if you live out of market, if you live right. in, if you live in Dallas, you can't watch Mavs games on there because of local blackout restrictions. 
which is another topic for another day, but that needs to be done away with in 2014 as well. But, uh, you know, this HBO becoming its own thing might be the last draw for me. You know, I, I can get by with watch ESPN, the app, you know, you can watch Monday night football in there, PTI. I watch every day, Oberman, stuff like that. Um, I watch that all through the app anyway. And so I can go without cable for that, but, uh, it's just local sports. But I mean, my other programming I watch is Netflix and HBO. I mean, that's it. And some YouTube, uh, documentaries and, and stuff the, like that. But the NBC Thursday night lineup. Yeah. yeah the, well, there's an app for that too. Richard, what about, luckily. what about bad judge? Can I watch bad <laughs> judge on there? <laughs> I don't know. Well, and by the way, just a little teaser for our rants and raves, 2014 pilots episode coming in yeah. a few weeks. So look forward to that, listeners. Yep. Get excited. Uh, Brian has compiled God an knows, entire God knows list. I'm not. <laughs> so you <laughs> might as well look forward to it. Brian yeah. has entitled, uh, compiled an entire list of all the new pilots and has sent to Richard and I. Yep. And I looked over it, and man, am I excited for this. It's so bad, It's, like it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's like when you're in college and you have the professor that puts all the homework on the syllabus that you're going to have to do. <laughs> yeah. And you look at it and it's like, to. oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like gotta, what do you guys? You said it would be a big bold move, Richard. Well, expound on that thought a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, the cable providers have a huge lobby. Um, there's got to be some sort of language and some sort of contract somewhere that can at least hold that up for a while. You would think uh, that it has to be exclusive to those providers. Uh, even if it wouldn't hold up legally, you could probably delay it for two years if they if they have any sort of leg up. Um, so I, I would assume if this is out there. HBO believes they can pull it off. Otherwise, I don't see the point in leaking it. The, like you said, Kent, always go where the money is when you're trying to figure out these things. Like you said, you know that would be a last straw for you with cable. Um, there's going to be a lot of other people that feel that way too. And, and, and cable's already suffering. They look like they're going to be the next thing to fall. Like you know, the record industry is now totally different, and the way we watch television is going to be completely different uh, at some point too. And uh, they are going to go kicking and screaming, I would imagine, against this because yeah. if HBO does it, then it's kind of a, uh, you know, a lot of the other, you know, free, you know, ABC, NBC, although they have apps that you can watch yourself through. But it, uh, a, a cable, exclusively cable pay channel, uh, providing that would be a, a death blow to, uh, to cable and they would have to reevaluate and, and they're not <laughs> normally uh, the most uh, receptive of change. Uh, so I, I, I think it would be it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out, because like I said, if there's any sort of language, any contract ever that says this is behold it to a provider, then then they're going to fight that. Right. Brian, any thoughts? And just tie it up. You're right. Yeah. No, Richard said it quite well. The, the, the one thing that you this will take forever if it does happen, um, but it it will take an HBO to make it happen because mm-hmm. yeah, if with anyone can do it, like, it's them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like sports is really the only – sports and HBO are really the only things that hold me to my uh, – <laughs> my, you all right there? Uh, sports and HBO are really the only things that hold me to my, my satellite package as it is. Um, and so if we can get sports figured out and, and if this went this way – that would be a huge thing, but it, it will take it will take an HBO to make that happen. It can't be uh, FX, you know, or Showtime or any of these other networks. It's it, it's got. I think HBO is the the big bully on the block, as it were. And so, if they're going to go that route, then it wouldn't surprise me if it starts to lean their direction as far as the 
I don't know necessarily a lawsuit, but the legal issues of the whole thing, if it does start to lean in their direction, I think you could see a lot of other pro- a lot of other networks kind of tag along and jump in. Yeah. On yeah. It. Yeah. But HBO is the one that has to lead the way. You know, I don't think that um, HBO leaving is going to be the end all for package programming, if you will. Uh, I think they are in their own league, really. Uh, they can do that, and I think they could probably get away with it. And, you know, I'm sure the cable providers would file a huge grievance with the FCC, but they'll get by. I mean, they still have the big – they have the, the NFL. I mean, they have a lot of these things that traditional people still get this content through conventional methods. But, I mean, for me personally, I I could I could personally do that. But I think for the ma- vast majority, I mean, it would take years for them to see a dent in any sort of loss. It would, uh, but you would, you'd be surprised at how little companies of that magnitude, cable companies, say – care about the present and how far they are often in their thinking on, on making money because they've already made this money. So their jobs rely on making the next money. And, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be an issue. You know, it, it, it's going to be the one thing HBO has on its side is that they don't have any ad revenue. It's subscription based as is. So you don't have to worry about any like advertisers throwing a hissy fit um, because, you know, that this, this content's going to be on now commercial free through an app. So you already have that. So that helps a little bit. Um, it's just going to be yeah, it's going to be some contractual thing. You're right. It's going to get FCC. I would think get FCC involved. Like like I said, we're just completely, uh, you know, this is all conjecture here. But I would imagine that would be an issue. But I I think I can't. You said it yourself. Like you would drop cable because of this, and other people would 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 too. And I think we'd be stupid to think that they don't know that. And I think uh, you know it's going to be uh, they're going to go kicking and screaming in some way or the other. They're going to figure out some way that they can make money off of it. So whether it's through a huge HBO buyout, if you're an HBO's customer or something, I don't know. But it's going to yeah. be – it'll be interesting, certainly. Yeah, I don't think the content is the problem with, with cable. I think it's the means of delivery is what's so terrible. I mean, you yeah. if you don't have DVR, you literally have to schedule your life around mm-hmm. when your shows come on the air. Uh, you know, I think HBO will be the, the pioneer in this and stepping away and doing their own thing. But uh, I think there's still a model that's available for cable satellite. I mean, imagine if if FX does this. Imagine if you know well, the, the big networks do it. NBC, ABC. Imagine if HGTV does it. You know, individually, we all watch a lot of channels randomly. I mean, if if yeah, if they go you know direct to customer and you're paying each of these people ten bucks a month. I mean, it's not the fact that people pay fifty bucks a month and get two hundred channels. People love that, yeah. you know. They by, yeah. the, by the time you do and go individually package them all a la carte, it's you're going to be paying more for less content. It's just that you're going to be paying for content that you actually want. So it's the mm-hmm. they need to Apple needs to come out with some way to you know like Xbox is kind of doing to channel your cable through your system and so it can weed mm-hmm. out all the bull crap that you have to sift through to get stuff that you're actually interested in. That's what needs you know, to happen. It will, and you're absolutely right there, Kent. One interesting wrinkle I just thought of is so the the major providers of cable in the United States are um, you've got uh, Directv, um, you've got Time Warner, you have Comcast, and you have AT and T, Verizon. Right? Those would be the big five. Directv and AT and T are kind of together. Yeah, now they are. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. They're together. But 
interesting thing. So Time Warner is a huge um, cable provider, and I just realized Time Warner owns HBO. HBO is a Time Warner property, right? Um, so that that's kind of an interesting wrinkle that they're kind of they're owned by you know different you know different because you know, HBO's CNN all that stuff that's all a, a Warner you know Time Warner company. Uh, that's that's interesting. So maybe those conversations have already taken place within that provider. It may end up being something where. You, you know, you can get just the app. I don't know. It's it's. There's a lot of a lot of uh, corporate holes in this. I'm going to be thinking about this now. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's Time Warner that's been kind of spearheading this. I've heard. Um, so I mean, it's maybe they they've seen their bottom line has maybe been affected by it, or maybe since Netflix now sure. is has more subscribers than HBO. They're like, well, this is obviously the future. Either we're going to get on board or we're going to be buried. You know, they sort of done that with HBO Go, but you, again, you it requires a subscription. So, uh, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but I mean, it's just something that needs to happen. Somebody needs to take the step. Uh, the authentication is what needs to stop. We need to be paying. If we want access to the app, What I'll pay eight bucks a month or I'll pay a $50 one-time fee for the app or whatever it they decide to do. But I mean, uh, something needs to change here uh, because, you know, I'm tired of pirating Game of Thrones. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, guys, let's move on. Let's discuss the drop. All your money in the bag. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know whose money you're jacking? <laughs> You don't see anything. Nah, you know, that's that's this neighborhood, right? First of all, I just want to say um, how good it felt to see a movie again. Yeah. Uh, mm. We've been out of the theater for, for quite a while. My last uh, my last theatrical experience of, of 2014 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> mm. So Didn't that seems like a long time ago already. Uh, but, I mean, it was like we said... Like we've reiterated on the show the past couple of weeks, it's been a great summer. It's been a great movie year, in my personal opinion. Uh, we've seen some fantastic animation. We've seen great superhero films. We've seen great just blatant action films. We've seen some great Oscar-caliber work uh, so far this year, and it isn't even Oscar season yet. But I just wanted to say how good it felt to sit in that, that theater again uh, when the when the lights went down, the previews came on. I was like, ah, oh, this feels good, you know. Uh, yep. So good, good to do that. Good to see a movie that's sort of getting a little bit of indie buzz. Tom Hardy returns to the screen. Uh, he's sort of he's. <laughs> you know where I was going with this, Richard. He's sort <laughs> of taken a a step back since doing The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, hasn't done a lot of big movies. Uh, this means war comes to mind. Uh, remember masterpiece. that uh, masterpiece with Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, he he hasn't really done a lot. Uh, it's good to see him do something uh, in my wheelhouse. And it he did a movie called Lock, which yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, but I did check out on Redbox this past week thanks to a recommend from a listener, Dan Newman. Shout out, cool little movie. I wasn't aware that Lock took place. And spoiler alert for Lock not not a big spoiler, but the entire movie takes place like while he's driving. Yeah, in mm-hmm. his car. Uh, cool idea. Uh, cool little performance by Tom Hardy, and uh, and this this movie does the the drop. It really, if anything, shows his versatility uh, as an actor. Got to be one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood right now. 
Um, and it's just sad. And this is just general talk right now. We'll get into specifics about this movie here in a second, but it's just really, this needs to be said before we get into it. It's just really sad that James Gandolfini is gone. Uh, wow. I just miss him a lot after seeing this. And, uh, you got to think at least I, I got the impression and he could have had a huge second wave of his career. Um, yeah, it was coming later. for sure. With enough yeah. said, I think, and and this, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing. I mean, this that's he's just an iconic, uh, of course, television actor from The Sopranos. But um, you got to think his movie career was just uh, just starting. So really sad, but also really great to see him again yeah. on the big screen. Um, I haven't seen a Most Wanted Man yet. Uh, Brian, did you feel that way about about Philip Seymour Hoffman's final? Or not final work. I guess Hunger Games is is yet to yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. It was it was odd. It was odd seeing him on screen because he was such a, a, I think a very classic Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. Much in the same way that that this was much, This was very classic James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very odd to see them in their element really and know that like that's this is pretty much the end. Like we're not going to see we're not going to see James Gandolfini do this again which this is just an offshoot of tony soprano in the best i mean that in the best way possible you know um and very much the same way with with philip seymour hoffman it's an odd experience you 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 appreciate what they're doing and and maybe even more so uh just because you know that you're not going to get to see this very more very, very many more times but it's still so uh odd to to know and sad to know that that's the end of it both performances really feel like curtain calls, <laughs> like one yeah. last time around the bases, you know, um, yeah. doing just cut, playing the hits. It's like a Rolling Stones farewell concert. Both of yeah. those performances, I would say. I had the exact same feeling and thought it almost out loud, like kind of cool. Yeah. You know, for, you know, you didn't you, you hadn't seen Gandolfini do this kind of thing in a while. And it's mm-hmm. kind of cool that we got to see him do it one more time. Yeah. And uh, sure. I mean, it's awful that he's gone and we'd love to have him back. You know, but if if he's going to go, I'm glad we had one more of these. Yeah, sure, I agree. Uh, so, as a movie, I really didn't know what this was about. Uh, didn't didn't read up on it before I went in. Didn't look at the trailer or anything. Uh, saw it on the on the old, um, I guess, movie release list. Looked it up. Mm-hmm. Saw the reviews. It was getting pretty decent reviews. Uh, just read the plot synopsis, which is the synopsis is when a robbery at a at the bar of his employer and cousin Marv goes awry, bartender Bob Saganowski finds himself entwined in an investigation that digs deep into the neighborhood's past, where friends, families, and foes all work together to make a living no matter the cost. So I was pretty hooked right there. I was like, okay, yeah, this could be this could be something. But uh, as far as the movie, much more of a character study than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Much less of a heist film uh, or whatever you want to describe it as crime drama, something like that. More of a, who is this Bob Saganowski, Tom Hardy's character? What does he want in life? Who are his friends? Who's not his friends? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? And less about uh, technicalities of whatever crime is being pulled off or something like that. So yeah, kind of a little bit disappointing, but also a pleasant surprise at the same time. So general thoughts, Brian on the drop. Yeah, I'm with you. It was a I I didn't really know exactly what to expect. I hadn't seen too much. I didn't I don't think the studio did a great job of advertising the film or or pushing it. Yeah. Um and you kind of wonder if if it wasn't James Gandolfini's last 
role if it would have even gotten the release that it did. Um, that's kind of a, I don't know. It wasn't pushed, I don't think, too successfully by the studio. So I, I didn't know a lot of what I was going to get, but I knew, you know, it looked real gritty, which is, you know, I enjoy that. And Dennis Lehane wrote it, which is always great. And, um, Anyway, the, the acting is great. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a much slower. I can't. Exa- I'm not exactly going to call it a slow burn. I think like a most wanted man, which you you already brought up, Kent, is definitely a slow burn. This is just it's 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 different than what it's what you think it's going to be. It's not a. It's not really even a thriller or an action movie. I, I think you put it quite well, Kent. It's a character study of uh, of Bob more than anything else, and the way it builds really nicely. I think. On that front, uh, there's some storytelling issues more than just yeah. I just don't think there's a lot there uh, to, to cover. But the the aspects of, of Bob and of Tom Hardy's performance are really strong. And, and the way that they build it, you know, something's coming. You know, there's going to be a, uh, a twist or a, a moment where it, it, you know, things blow up or right. whatever it may be. You, you can feel that coming from the get go, but it's done. I think quite slyly, uh, to where that's not the focus of the movie is waiting for the explosion, uh, w- whether figuratively or, 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 uh, actually, you know, in, in a big barrage of gunfire or something like that. Um, and sometimes movies like this, I think, get caught up in not the way they're building, but in what they're building towards. If that makes sense, yeah. and and I I think this did a great job of it's keeping all about the it. Journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think it did a great <laughs> job of keeping it um, relevant to what was happening on screen at the time. Not not so much what's going to happen at the end, but you did have this sense throughout like, okay, we're going somewhere with this character and you're not, you know, not quite sure where that's going to be obviously, but uh, I thought it built that quite successfully. Richard. Yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll be brief cause I don't want to echo too much of what you guys said, but uh, you know, this is something I knew nothing about and I, I did the opposite of you can, I purposely didn't research it cause it had been a while since I had gone to, um, a movie without knowing anything. And it normally is a really successful experience. This, this was as well. I, I, I really kind of like this movie. Um, mm. I, 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 I agree with you guys totally. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely not what it's, you know, the first kind of couple minutes you're, or is it establishes itself. You think it's going to go this really kind of thrilling way. And just, you're right. It is kind of the slower, uh, pace, nuance thing. The, the one criticism I have is it is kind of painfully obvious that something is coming. I, I didn't, I think they did do that in a nuanced way, but like, there's really no way of avoiding it, right? Because like, why would sure. we be spending time with these people? But they've the fact that they kind of didn't acknowledge anything for a while was kind of like I found myself being frustrated. Like, okay, come on, where are we going with this? But uh, but afterwards, obviously, it's it's much more. You know, you have the you know hindsight of looking at it. But uh, you know, Lehane did a great job. It's a really clever little uh, screenplay. Hardy's unbelievable. I haven't seen him. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Locke yet, but uh, I know I love totally uh, different. Man. Like that's that's yeah. why I said it, 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 this just showed me his versatility because I saw Locke probably three days before this, and it's just gotcha. polar opposites. I mean, and and you look at this movie, The Drop, and then look at Bane, and you're like, how is that even the same human? Like just yeah, totally he different. Transforms. He's yeah. he's incredible. Like I, yeah, there really are very is. few like him out right now that can just maybe 
Fassbender comes to mind as somebody who can mm. just step into any role, accent, personality at will and just deliver the goods. I mean, he's yeah. He's, this guy is one of the actors of tomorrow for sure. Absolutely, he's a he's you know he hasn't really put it together yet. He's Kyrie Irving in a way, but all all the, <laughs> all the skill all the all the skills are there, right? And and you see these these bursts of it you know bronson's like just this unbelievable powerhouse yeah. insane performance right and then you 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 see bane is this you know that movie and that performance has its flaws but it's a really unique i think take on a villain um and just just brute i mean just a brutal brutish he probably wears brute like any type of brute uh, prefix they can put on it is what I think of Bane, right? And uh, it's he's he's he can really just do everything. I mean, he's but I hadn't seen him like really click on all levels since you know maybe gosh like Inception. No, surely not Inception. There's got to be something in between. I'm not thinking. Tinker of. Taylor. He uh, was in Warrior. Did you yeah, see that? he's quite good in that. I didn't see Warrior, but I've heard great things. So yeah. maybe I just haven't seen enough. I, I shouldn't put that on him. But it was fun to see, like, you know, this incredible prospect flare up again. And now I'm just so freaking excited for Mad Max. Yeah, I was about to to say he's in Mad Max next year uh, with the one which could bomb. Charlize could, Theron. Could, could bomb horribly. Could. It, but looks, I think it's gonna, it looks decent. Uh, the, I think uh, it's going to be good. I, I don't know if it's going to make money. I don't know if yeah. that franchise ties people and that – it looks so insane. It may turn off the general public. And so I'm really kind of concerned that movie's going to really flop. Right. But I think it's going to be a good movie. Yeah. Well, well, I have high hopes for it. Me too. Uh, it's brought to us by the producer well of internationally. Babe, right? Big in the City. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it will. I mean, I'm sure there's enough draw there in uh, yeah, Tom Hardy think, and Charlize Theron internationally, I think, that it'll And I think that fine. property has more draw internationally than it does here yeah yeah uh, and it's not that it's not big here but i think it's remembered more internationally uh, mel gibson just went on to do such other things that i think people just kind of associate think him they don't think about that actual character or anything but uh yeah that's gonna be interesting i he's a movie star like he really is he he but he just doesn't care to be and he just does weird little movies like this but he has all that charisma man i mean it's all just sitting there whenever he wants to use it and uh, he's he's really really good. There are a lot of parallels to be drawn here with this movie. Um, that's what kind of impressed me most about it was I found myself not thinking about the actual crime that was happening, the underground crime that's happening at these bars, but more about what's the significance of this? What's what's the significance of the dog? Yeah. What's the mm-hmm. significance of the girl? What's the significance? It's like reading of, a book in a way. Yeah. I mean, you could tell a novelist wrote it. Right. Oh, exactly. Yes. That's a great point. Yeah. You you can it does. Like you know when you're reading a book and you're like I need to remember this page because this this was a mm. he went way out of his way to tell me this. And you could really you could really see that. That's a great point, Ken. There I just it just kept me guessing the entire time. Sure. Most confused about the Eric character. Uh <laughs> the sort of yeah, I guess friend of or the ex-boyfriend, I should say, of the girl and uh or of Numero Pass. And so it just really, I just didn't know what, what he was like, yeah. is this guy, the dog's real owner? Did he get a counterfeit chip thing so that he could get this dog to get his girl back? Is this a hired a nice gun 
to is he Real nice dog. is he stalking New Year Haas and doing it through her new boyfriend? Like I just couldn't figure it yeah. out. Uh, but in a good way, it kept me guessing till the end, and I still have questions about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, towards the end. So, what were some parts of it that kind of kept you into it, guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a this is such a weird movie to talk about. Like I'm 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 having trouble even I didn't write a review because I was like I don't really know what to write about it almost because the performance is so great and and Tom Hardy you guys are exactly right is a movie star because he's a movie star in the vein of like Gary Oldman. Like he could do anything yes. and that's such a rare quality. Like I'm so excited for 10 years from now for what we're going to get out of that guy, but um he is he's just he is fascinating to watch on screen and this is such a this is such a small role i don't mean obviously like runtime but i mean like his presence on screen almost like he's shrinking himself to fit this like uh subtle is not the right terminology but this is a guy who's like trying to make himself smaller than he is and and that to me was just fascinating to watch like anytime he's on screen with this dog which is such a huge plot point but really doesn't i mean i kind of think goes to show like there's not a lot of plot towards this movie you know it's like the dog takes up gets more screen time than almost anybody else in the movie besides tom hardy so it's such a strange thing but watching him with this dog watching him clean the bar uh or or the scene where he's Again, I don't want to get into spoilers, but let's go the ahead. Where- There's a lot we can't talk about. Okay, about spoilers. So spoiler territory. Yeah, spoilers. All right, the scene where he's wrapping the uh, the arm <laughs> that they find in a bag outside the bar, and and Gandolfini even brings point, you know, brings attention to it. Yeah, of like, right. you look like you like you do that every day. Like you just yeah. go into a room and wrap an arm up in Saran wrap so you can throw it in into the into the bay or whatever. Um, it was a really powerful is not necessarily how I feel, but like I just, I was kind of awestruck with the way that he did this very simple thing. And I think that was obviously quite intentional from, you know, from a script standpoint and the director's focus and all that, but it's, it's Hardy just like doing this really simple, strange thing. But man, it was like, I I don't know. I was fixated on the screen and there are multiple times throughout the movie that similar things like that happen where it's like, this is not really anything that, that matters because this story is not that great, but the, the way that he's doing it, um, is, I don't know, is something special, uh, I think is, is the best way to put it. Like, I felt like I was watching something, uh, like I was watching something special, which I don't take from a lot of films each year, especially from a movie that's not going to get any award attention. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it can, you know, we're getting buzz on it right now, but it's not going to have buzz when I think maybe, uh, I just shouldn't say it's the lead actor. I think maybe ta- maybe Hardy himself will, but I don't think any other aspect. I don't think this yeah. movie will itself. I, I agree, but I, I I think I think this is the the classic type of movie that everyone says, oh, that's got some Oscar buzz. Like and like last year, like Hugh Jackman with Prisoners last year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I I agree, and this it's just clever, is what it is. This movie is just really really clever in its in its use of. Of the characters, uh, specifically mm-hmm. that scene with the with the arm, you you're wondering, well, did he used to be a butcher? Is that why? Like, you know, he he does do it so confidently, but is also kind of disgusted at the same time. 
Yeah. And another scene specifically for me where I started to sort of question things was when, uh, when he goes down to the basement and the dog starts walking down the basement and he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then he brings his dog back. And he's like, Oh, thank God that didn't happen. Like, right. Was he talking, was he pre- scared his dog was going to fall off the stairs or was there something down there that we, he shouldn't see or right. Is right. going to f- discover or something like that. So that, you know, that's when I started to think, well, maybe this Hardy character is not the, uh, the guy we're all supposed to root for. Maybe this is, maybe this movie, uh, you know, isn't what it seems on the surface. And, and that was a pleasant surprise as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Gandolfini's character himself. When he, when it's revealed that he's sort of behind this operation, uh, I was surprised personally. And okay. I had heard there was something in the trailer that had hinted at that or spoiled that. But as somebody who never saw the trailer, I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. That, that was, uh, I didn't see that coming. Did you, did y'all at all? No, no, no. didn't see it coming. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. It was, I, I was just wondering if I was alone in that, uh, that thinking like, uh, of course he's behind all that. No, I just didn't at all. Just the way that they played that scene where the guy Soprano, man, come on. Well, sure. Well, <laughs> I mean the way that they played the scene where the guys come in for a drink and ask mm-hmm. who took the money, you know, and he talks and he tells him about the guy with the, uh, with the watch or whatever, the way they played that, they both play it. Like they've never seen any of those guys before, you know, like this was all just, we were held up, please leave us alone. Uh, but I mean, the way Gandolfini plays it is, is great. Um, Numi Rapace as Nadia. Um, don't know if her character is, I mean, I know she's a plot device to get us Eric and Bob uh, for them to have a conflict or something. I feel like, the dog was more important than she was like, uh, like as if Bob, as if he couldn't have the dog without having her. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I personally, I think that they, that this could have been done with a dog, but the girl was just a way for this other ex-boyfriend character slash guy involved with the crime to be involved in it. So, I mean, I just didn't get much from her. As a character, she's but. the new Carrie Ann Moss to me. <laughs> I think she has more potential like. than that. Maybe, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss. What, what has she been in besides The Matrix that's been worth she anything? She's in something good. I watched the other day. Go, continue, and I'll pull that up. Okay. Numero Pasto. And to me, are her and Rooney Mara not just interchangeable at this point? I mean, well, yeah. I honestly I, had they to, both have weird names, and I, yeah. I, I spent the whole first like fifteen or twenty minutes like. And I know her name, but I could not. I could not get Rooney Mara out of my head. I was like, I know it's not yeah, Rooney Mara, but who yeah. is it? Yeah, it, Memento. Memento. Karen yeah, Moss you're right. Memento. She isn't that. Uh, no, but I get her confused because um, Rooney Mara was in Fincher's Dragon Tattoo, and right. Rooney yeah. Pass was in, in the Swedish Dragon exactly. Tattoo yes. films. Yeah. So quite similar. Rooney Pass also of Prometheus fame. If right. if the the listener couldn't make the connection. But um, so what did you think about that whole thing? I think, do you, I mean, do you agree with me there that her character is sort of expendable? I mean, the most yeah. expendable of this in this movie, including yeah, the dog. I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. And, and it is. It's a it's just a plot device to to get 
to bring this weird dog into the into the mix. It's an odd story. Like I the more we talk yeah. about the more I'm like the storyline for this is not very strong, but there's so much other good stuff happening that you kind of overlook it at least when you're in the movie. You don't really care what happens to them as a whole, like the the actual crime unit itself. You're just like, okay, is Tom Hardy going to get out of this alive? Like that's yeah. all I kept and, thinking and, about. And what's up with Tom Hardy? Like yeah, that's what yeah, you, yeah. I think that's the main focus for me, at least, was like, what's going on with this guy? Because I, I, I was very interested. I need to know. I need to know what's happening. Right. Uh, also, a really cool score. I don't know if you mm-hmm. noticed in mm-hmm. this. Really eerie score that's used to great effect. Uh, it's used at the moments where you're not supposed to – or I couldn't tell if it was something I should look into or if this was just how things were. Like They use a really eerie score at like very normal situations. Uh, yeah, yeah, so so sort to sort of make you think that something's not quite right here. Uh, and that's sort that really helped me along, uh, in my viewing, uh, to sort of start to figure things out. But, uh, a lot to follow here, by the way, a lot to process in this movie more than I expected. Like I said, I'm going to go into some negatives right now. Uh, not that it's my, it's personally a complaint, but I've seen complaints in the public that this isn't a good representation of Brooklyn. Uh, I wouldn't know. I don't live there. Um, they say that uh, we're, we're the only podcast that does not live in Brooklyn. <laughs> we're not a Brooklyn-based <laughs> podcast, believe it or not. Uh, but you know, they they say that like the the Chechen isn't isn't right for the time, or that some of them are speaking in more Boston tone than than Brooklyn. Which That's who cares? True, yeah. Well, I think people associate. Isn't Lahane a Boston guy? So he probably just writes in a way that. Right. You're, you're probably. I don't know. Right. I assume every dentist, every dentist is from Boston to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, to me, New York City, yeah, Dorchester, New York City, and Brooklyn, the Bronx, wherever, and Queens, and everything. It's just such a multicultural area that, like, Numir Pass's random accent that I couldn't figure out the entire movie. It, yeah. it fit because it's yeah. New York. You know, uh, this was based in, you know. Nashville, Tennessee, it would be a little bit weirder, you know? But, yeah. I mean, it, it gets a pass for me personally. Totally. I agree. Because of that. Uh, also, personally, this this kind of didn't work for me. Um, I wanted more scope to the crime. Like, I wanted to know how this, I guess, bar trade, uh, these drop bars, how this was affecting the economy, uh, the neighborhood, you know? I got the sense that this was sort of just some private little organization that no one really cared about other than like a few cops, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that the stakes weren't that high with the crime that was being committed. But maybe that's personal. But I mean, we see multiple people get murdered here. And I guess that the stakes are that high, in my opinion. I have a twisted mind if that, those aren't high stakes. But did you feel like that? Did they do a good job of like hammering home like what? what what crime was being committed because I, that that was one of my complaints i did and I, I i think it kind of plays into what you're saying about the score i i felt like they that was one aspect of the story that i actually quite liked was the there we didn't get a whole lot of exposition on it or I liked that they didn't spend just a whole lot of time focusing on every single thing that was happening but like one moment where i feel like they they answered your your complaint, Kent, for me at least, was 
when the uh, the Chechen guys come in and say, you know, you're going to be the drop bar, and okay, what 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 day? And uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and they, I don't know, the score hit really heavy, and you get a focus in on both Gandolfini and and Hardy's faces, and it like lets the the seriousness of that sink in because you knew they were going to that 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 place was going to get held up the next time that it was the drop bar um and and adding this influ- this like emphasis of it's Super Bowl Sunday so there's going to be I don't know to me it just it's it's felt like something's going to be something's there's going to be a couple million dollars in this safe you know or 3 million yeah. or whatever it may be like it, I don't know they, they I felt like they did that did that pretty well for me at do, least Do you guys know if this is a real thing that happens like if, if drop bars are an actual, is that is that an actual term or is this a, like a fictional crime ring that's happening? Do, do you know at all? Think, um, I think I don't know. I can I can certainly look into that. Yeah, I just didn't. I hadn't heard of that before. Maybe it, we're not from New York, obviously. Right. If your if our accents haven't spoiled that for you already, but <laughs> I just didn't know for sure what it. But um, yeah, I have no idea. You know, there's a couple bars called the Drop Bar. There's one in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure that's popular. It wouldn't be that obvious, right? A lot of right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, so, any complaints, LeBron guys? LeBron came back. I gave my little complaint. Any uh, issues with the film at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, this, like I said, the story is pretty. This is based on Dennis Lehane wrote this script based on a short story that he wrote, uh, which sometimes can be a great experiment in uh, expounding upon a great idea. And sometimes it's like, yep, this was a short story, not uh, not a full length uh, feature film. So I think there's definitely that. It definitely feels a little stretched at times and you get some some plot points or just scenes anyway, where it just kind of starts to feel like, does this really matter? A lot of them having to do with. With uh, with Numi and uh, and the dog thing is is strange. I think I I think maybe a stronger on some level. I think that the the relationship between Tom Hardy and the dog is like a really strong part of the film. But in some ways, I feel like if the if the story had a little more meat to it, then maybe we wouldn't get quite so much of that. Which would I think probably would have been a good thing. So yeah, it it, it could have you it. I don't know. I think the whole movie is begging for a little bit more plot uh, or a little bit more story that these these actors and these characters can operate in. I think that would have made it a better film. Would have brought it closer to something like Mystic River or Gone Baby Gone or you know the other any other film that uh, that is based on a, a Dennis Lehane novel. Sure, Richard. Any issues? Brian, I mean, I'm so mad at you. I wish you'd ask me first. Get um, oh. there, there's no, but it is. This is like such a killer. If this had been like a 60 minute pilot of a show, I would have yeah. been like, that was the best pilot I've ever freaking seen. Yeah, it is just a little stretched, um, and so it's not a fully flushed out idea. I think the parts that are flushed out are like some of the best stuff you'll see all year. I would say even. Yeah. Um, I I really liked it, but. You know, there's a lot of fluff in there to fill it out, uh, and so sure. that would be my biggest. It's 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 the best 67 minute movie of the year, you know, and unfortunately it runs quite a bit longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still very good. Like it's 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 excellent. The performances alone are are pretty killer. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's head into grades, fellas. I'm going to give this a B plus. Uh, like I said, I think that there could have been more. 
at stake. I mean, it felt you're right, Richard. It felt like a really good episode of Breaking Bad or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like just the right, just that amount of tension. Um, but I wanted there to be more tension, less character study. Not to say it's a bad thing. It just wasn't the kind of movie that I expected it to be. Uh, I know exactly what it was going for, and it nails it. Uh, Hardy nails it. So I'm gonna give this a strong B plus. Good way to kick off. Great way to kick off the Oscar season. It's only we're only gonna go up from here. I have a feeling this is a good a good starting point for me, Brian. Yeah, I'm also gonna go with the B plus. I think Hardy makes it. It might be a B or a B, maybe even a B minus without Hardy. He's so strong, so good. Uh, it makes it makes it uh, that much better. Um, and I think. This may be just complete conjecture, but I feel like I'd read recently that HBO is looking at picking up Shutter Island as a series. Yes, they and, are. Yeah. And I don't know how much Lahane would be involved in that, but this made me hope that he'll do some of that stuff. Because just like what you guys just said about like making it, this would have been a great Breaking Bad episode. This made me really excited for like what he could do in a 60 minute format on, uh, you know, for, for eight weeks or something uh, with the short term. HBO series, so I'd really like to uh, to see that happen. But it's it's, it's a B plus for me, and a, and a strong a strong B plus at that. I would say, sure, Richard, B pluses all around. All right, I'm gonna go B, I'm gonna go B plus as well. I want to just just for the listener, um, if you stayed through spoilers, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, not sorry. I just want to say that uh, it's not really a film that you have to get out and see right away. This would be mm-hmm. a great. Friday night, uh, you know, get it on Redbox, you know, get some popcorn. It, I mean, it's it's going to translate very well to a small screen, if that makes yeah, sense. It does. It feels like a TV show in a way. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it does. And it, 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 it will do great on a small screen. I have a feeling this will have a good rental life uh, or something like that. So uh, cool movie. Good way to start out the season, guys. And uh, looking forward to uh, this com- this weekend, which we have a lot of uh you know this is a pretty stacked weekend coming up here uh for us is it not uh the a walk among tombstones is uh is coming out this is where i leave you also the maze runner which should have come out 2 weeks ago i don't know why they yeah. pushed that to this weekend yeah lots to talk about uh, in the coming weeks so look forward to that let's move on and let's hit weekly recommends weekly recommends i'm going to recommend a really cool something that I got a chance to watch on public broadcasting this past week. Uh, as we all know, and as you're probably aware, the Apple iPhone uh, was announced last week, the iPhone 6. Also, the iWatch was announced. Uh, at Apple announced last Tuesday uh, in San Francisco. And so, you know, iPhone 6 is coming out this weekend. Hold on. YouTube is just playing on my computer. I can't. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> How do I do I do I click Bono to get it to turn off? Yeah, yeah. I just okay. That's got what it. most women cool. do. Hi-yo. <laughs> hey. Yeah. There is uh, so iWatch is coming out. You know, next year sometime. I assume the first couple months of next year. But uh, the one and only one of my favorite people of all time, future American treasure Charlie Rose, interviewed the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, on his show um, this past Friday sat down with him for an hour and also this uh, last Monday and uh, for another 30 minutes man just talked about Apple as a company the future of the company the transition from Steve 
And I just need to recommend this for any doubters uh, that Apple is is going down the tubes uh, after Steve passed away. Uh, this this interview for me really solidified that Tim Cook is the right leader. For, I mean, I've never seen him be this enthusiastic ever in any public setting at, at all. Uh, it really made me enjoy where the company's going. I mean, this guy has a vision and he's going for it. Uh, it the company is in good hands. Um, I have no doubt that they're going to be coming out with some great iPhone level type products, you know, in the next few years. I mean, the iWatch was rumored for a while. I think this iteration will get it started, but I think the next few iterations of the iWatch, like 10 years now from now, it's going to be like, holy crap. I mean, are you, you know, how, how do we ever live without that uh, type of thing? And, uh, you know, the Apple TV is, of course, rumored too. I think they're going to have another event here in the next month or two to announce that, uh, what they're going to do in the, the, the official TV market, but such an interesting watch. Uh, it's on YouTube now. I'll link it on our website. Really, really cool interview. I know you guys, I mean, Richard, you probably are. I know, Brian, you're not much into tech, but just as far as like world culture, this was just like a, a great watch and uh, it's recommended. You could, you could podcast it, you know, throw it on and, and just listen to the audio. It's just a really cool interview. And like I said, I've never heard him open up that much about anything before and in the last couple years considering it's such a secretive company who doesn't really talk about what they're doing currently so tim cook on charlie rose uh great uh had an awesome time watching that so i feel like i should recommend that this week and it's applicable to what's currently uh, going on in the world right now the iphone releases two days from now so get your new iphone watch it enjoy it Subscribe to our podcast on there. Don't rem- don't forget about that. But uh, that's my recommend for this week. Richard, cool. you have a PBS related recommend. I do. We are transitioning. We're really going after the uh, elderly market here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we decided that you know <laughs> this is the wave of future with podcasts is 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 people making sweaters. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you, you know, guys I, like I Love Lucy, right? That's going to be my recommend. <laughs> I love I yeah. Love Lucy, actually. <laughs> yeah, Kent, Kent does. <laughs> I really uh, do. Go ahead. Uh, so mine is going to be uh, new Ken Burns uh, docu-series uh, on the PBS this week uh, on the Roosevelt's. I'm about two and a half in. No, I'm, I'm about two and a half episodes in. And uh, it's excellent. The the TR stuff is, you know, TR is my favorite president, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. And uh, Franklin, I think, is whether you, uh, you know, the New Deal is still controversial. But whether you feel positive or negatively about his presidency, uh, is certainly uh, the, a very important, you know, not, not every president's important. You know, I'm looking at you, you know, Franklin Pierce and other people like it's not. Uh, but these were like immensely important uh, presidents. And, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is the most fascinating, you know, after he's president, he goes and like discovers rivers in, uh, and nearly dies of malaria in, in South America. He's just like this, uh, incredibly brave and courageous human being. And, 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 and Franklin, you know, his fifth cousin is, is brave in his own kind of weird, very New York kind of way. Um, in the way he attacks things. So they're completely different people and it, it juxtaposes them very well. Ken Burns knows how to make a documentary and uh, he's, he's pretty good that one. I think he has a future and, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's very engrossing. And, and when I first put it on, I was kind of like, Oh, this has kind of hitting all the Ken Burns nodes a little too on the nose. Uh, but as it gets going, it's just like, 
it's and, and this is coming from somebody I've read like ridiculous amount of stuff on, on Teddy Roosevelt and 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 a lot on Franklin too. And pretty much I'm I'm learning new stuff every thirty seconds on this thing. So it's really really cool. So if you haven't learned about these two presidents, you should. And this is the way you should do it. It's very very good and very entertaining as well. So I recommend it to both of you and to all of our listeners as well. What's your favorite Ken Burns documentary? I'm trying to think. I really like the jazz one. That's what I was going to say. That's my favorite. That one's pretty sick. Yeah. That's just that whole New Orleans jazz culture thing that he does in that is pretty cool. And it just, it's just, it's such an easy, obvious thing to say, but it just sounds good. Like that documentary just sounds That perfect. made me. Without, without like intimidating this, that Dixieland sound in a cheesy way, it's just like the selections are incredible. Yeah. And that, I mean, my musical career or love started with jazz in like middle school. And so, yeah. I, I mean, I was obsessed with jazz for a good two years. I mean, I, I, I loved it. And eventually my music taste grew. But, I mean, watching that, I was just like, I need every jazz vinyl ever. <laughs> like, i just forgotten how much I love that music and stuff. But uh, that would yeah. be my favorite as well. The, the, the war baseball is, one's excellent as well. Is, oh, the baseball the, one, yeah, too. The yeah, the war and the baseball ones. I watched both of those last year, and holy crap. The baseball yeah. one is... Really, really interesting. Uh, Brian, recommend? Yeah, I'm yeah, going to go with Brian, the... What e- Brian, what episode of Nova are you recommending? <laughs> I was going to say Faulty Towers. No, um, <laughs> PBS-centric. I, I will, I'm going to recommend a musical selection, however, to go off of our, uh, I was our, hoping our jazz musical. discussion. I know yeah. what it is. Can I guess? Yes, do so. Ryan Adams? Yes, Ryan Adams. How did Ryan I know? Adams. I had no idea. I just Dude. guessed a name. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. We, you know me so well. Yes, Ryan Adams, uh, the very odd, very prolific at times singer, songwriter, all country rocker. I, it's very hard to put him in a box. Uh, he he just put out a new album. It is self titled, so it is called Ryan Adams. It is. It's not his best work, but I think that's unfair because he has a couple of albums that are some of the best albums of the last. I don't know, 20 or 25 years. Heartbreaker. Heart, if we did a top 10 uh, albums instead of a top 10, if this was a, a music podcast and we and for our 100th episode, we did a top 10 albums of all time, that would very, I think very likely would be my, my favorite album of all time. I love Heartbreaker. So it's very difficult to top that. But I do think it is a an improvement over his last two or maybe even three albums that he's done. Um, it is there's two or three songs that have that very classic Ryan Adams um, brokenness to them that I think has been kind of missing from the last couple of hours because he's happy and he's married and he's off drugs and all that sort of thing. So good for him. A lot of songs about Mandy Moore. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's a very, I think a very classic uh, musician issue in that, um, it's great that he's sober and is in a good place mentally and whatnot, but it doesn't, that doesn't always translate to great music. Uh, so this is a, I think is a, a good mix, a good balance, if you will, between, um, his really drunk and drugged out sort of downer heartbreaking music, uh, versus the last two albums that just didn't quite have that same edge. So it sounds really good. I, of course I bought it on vinyl and I also, nice. um, I, I buy everything on vinyl these days, Kent. You should be proud of me. I am proud I'm, of you. Very I'm vinyl proud. all the You've way. Learned. Vinyl or download. Yeah. Yeah, boom. But uh so but I did um 
to listen to it in my car, I usually get like an auto rip from Amazon, but for some reason it wasn't working. But it, you know, most new albums these days come with a little card inside, you know, where you can download it from a, a website or whatever. And it's a vinyl rip. Um, so the, Whoa. the, uh, the CD that I've got in my car, cause I haven't, I haven't hooked it up to my iPod yet, but so I just burned a CD. How, how old school is that? And, uh, threw it in and you can hear like the needle drop and the pops and all that stuff. So it's, it really you sounds like, that, you know why wait, that is Brian? No, I don't. He did not use a single computer recording this album. He went totally really? analog. Okay. So there's there no digital, no digital files exist of that album. So they had to do a rip. He's such a strange guy. Like that's a, it's very arcade fire. Very Jack Jack White. White. Yeah, that's exactly in in a lot of ways. He should be Jack White, but he's just, I think Jack White is maybe a little more, a little more business savvy in some ways than, than Ryan Adams. Super smart. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think Ryan Adams is not smart. I just think he is, He's very committed to just doing whatever the crap he wants to do and doesn't care at all. Whereas I feel like Jack White, I think Jack White sees himself as like like he needs to do this for Parker. the industry. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. But it's like him putting out Lazaretto and doing the stuff that he did with Lazaretto is almost like a – guys, like vinyl's awesome. You need to do vinyl. You know, like he – I almost feel like he sees himself as an example to the rest of the music industry, whereas Ryan Adams is just like, whatever. I'm just going to go record yeah. 37 songs and I'm only going to put out 10 of them. Screw you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I think anyway, Jack it, has it, this natural uh, – you know, it can be annoying at times, but this weird showmanship. I mean, you know, yes, uh, yes. You, you look at, I mean, you look at early White Stripes videos – and they're like playing in a crowd of 13 people and right. they're still completely to the color scheme and completely mm-hmm. in that. He just has this weird obsession with that, the, the yes. visual side of it and the Absolutely. aesthetic side of it. And I don't think Adams and a lot of artists have that. And sometimes that's better. I mean, it's not necessarily right. bad. Sometimes it's annoying, but Jack pulls it off well. Um, but you're totally right there, Brian. That's that he, yeah. he has that sort of definitely sound and, and uh, all that. But uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Someday somebody will write a great Ryan Adams biography and I, I'll get all over that because it's – there's a lot of crazy in there and I'm, I'm very interested in his – in all of the stuff that is him. But anyway, the album's really good and there's two or three songs that are, uh, that are really, really good and yeah. I think hold up with some One of, of them is, is called Wrecking Ball. Yes. And that mm-hmm. one's like – I actually had to look at that. I thought it was like – I thought my thing had skipped to like an old – I don't know – like John Lennon B side or something. I was like, yeah, how have I not yeah. heard this before? It sounds so familiar, you know, or, and, yeah. or something like that. It's like the yeah. fifth wrecking yeah. ball song in the last five years, like Springsteen, <laughs> yeah. Miley Cyrus. Like everyone is, yeah. is throwing that out there. It's cool. my wrecking ball. That's all. I need to check called. that out. Yeah. Great album. Oh, okay. He, he performed on, um, on Letterman a couple days ago last week. Oh really? And Letterman was just super excited to have him. And then, he played the the single "Give Me Something Good," and mm-hmm. when it was over, Letterman was just like, "Holy crap! Yeah, can you can you play that again? I'm dead serious." And then he played him off the air with it. Just played it again. <laughs> like That's Letterman awesome. was just blown away. Like he loves Ryan Adam. He said he's his favorite artist out. So cool. Recommend. I don't know how I knew that. Honestly, that was not yeah, planned. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't just think named, we've ever talked about I it named before, an album so that is currently yeah. out that you would like and yeah. It oh to yeah, that, I mean that is that's my that's my stuff. That's that kind Damn. of folksy alt country sort of sound. Like man, I love that stuff. Yeah. And he's 
spectacular. Great recommend. I need to pick that one up uh, on wax. That's, yeah. that's uh, my weekend project. Okay, guys. Uh, Brian, where can I find your work online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. You can find me on the Thought Catalog. Kent, where might I find you? You can find me uh, on television on Animal Planet HD weeknights at uh, 7, 6 central. Or you can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. And you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And I do want to remind the listener that iTunes only displays the most recent 100 episodes. And since we are past 100 right now, not all of our episodes will be displayed on iTunes. So uh, go dig back on the website uh, for more content. And on that note, until next time, guys, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. When the pimp's in the crib, ma, drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you, park it like it's hot. Park it like it's hot. Park it like it's hot. And if a get an attitude, pop it like it's hot. Pop it like it's hot. Pop it like it's hot. I got the rollie on my arm and I'm pouring Sean Don and I'm the best because I got it going on.